All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Make It Happen podcast. This is actually episode number two for us. <laughs> we're pros already. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> so to this episode is going to be uh, an interview, and uh, we're our first interview guest is actually Darren Hatch. Woo-hoo. So uh, <laughs> we figured it would be good for everybody to understand um, who we are and uh, where we come from. Uh, a lot of people through social media know a lot about uh, uh, Darren, but a lot of them don't. So um, we're uh, excited to be able to have this little conversation. Glad to be on my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, think, I think what we'll end up doing is going a little bounce around a little bit here in the very beginning. Um, you know, we'll talk about, you know, your past and, and, uh, and what's uh, made you into who you are. But first question is current, right? So, you know, who is Darren? You know, what are you... Uh, what are you currently doing? And, uh, you know, if someone said, hey, what's going on? Who, who, who are you? What would you say? <laughs> so uh, I think the first and foremost is I'm a dad and a father right. and a spouse, right? So I have my wife, and uh, we've been married 15 years just this Just last, recently. Yeah, on the 25th, so two days ago. Yeah, yeah. We celebrated our 15-year anniversary. So Awesome. Congratulations. Praise goes to my wife for putting up with me for 15 <laughs> years. But... Um, that's, you know, first and foremost is, is I'm a family man. I love my kids and my wife. Um, I have five kids. We have you know, from 12 all the way down to, to 10 months old. So we got a wide range. Um, I think we're done having kids unless my wife tells me otherwise. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that, that's my priority. Obviously, that's the most important thing in the world to me is my family and uh, being able to spend time with them and be there for them, provide for them and whatnot. Um, and then after that, I think, you know, I, the best thing to describe me is an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, I love entrepreneurship. I love investing. It's my passion. Yeah. I, I always tell people, like, you know, a lot of people have different hobbies playing video games, playing sports, which I have some hobbies playing sports, but like my main hobby and my main passion right. is like investing in business. And right. so, you know, my wife is always asking me, well, why are you trying to do so many things or, you know, and, yeah. and I'm like, it's cause it's what I love. And people right. are like, why do you have so many things going on? It's like, it, that's what fuels me. That's, that's right. what I enjoy to do. And so being creative and trying to start new businesses or trying different investments or whatnot is, is really like, what I live for, you yeah. know, uh, besides my, my family. But I think that's probably the best explanation of, of who I am. Absolutely. <laughs> so we know you have five kids, but my main question is, how many dogs do you have? <laughs> oh, I have none. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you well, have got a lot of them. Okay. How many dogs are in your household is the, is the better question. Uh, that's, uh, we'll leave that one unanswered. Okay. But no, my, you know, he, my wife's, I mean, Mike is joking with me about that because my wife actually breeds golden doodles and so our house our backyard we have quite a few dogs and so it's it's always like we got more dogs than kids so not quite but but but, yeah my wife loves animals she breeds golden doodles so shameless plug go go follow her uh, at farmhouse doodles (laughs) she's got some beautiful puppies but um yeah so we we got lots of animals too my why what my wife and my kids love animals and so we always got some different animal in the house yeah that yeah. sometimes doesn't last too long, but yeah. <laughs> they always love you, them to death. You, yeah, to death. <laughs> you, you can't, uh, you can't pass a stray dog on the street without, uh, without Shawnee wanting to. No, to seriously, especially it. here in Mexico, yeah. you know, like we have stray dogs come across our farm all the time. And like, I'm like, first thing I say is like, don't show Shawnee. <laughs> exactly. We'll have another dog in our yard. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. dog but no, she's got a great heart for, for animals. And Absolutely. so do my kids. So 
Okay. <laughs> All right, so that's the current. Now we're going to kind of go back in time a little bit. And I am wanting to tell everybody, you know, where are you from? Where were you born and raised? So I was born and raised in Mexico. Um, I always joke that I'm a, a, a gringo that lives in Mexico, you know. So I was born and raised in Mexico my whole, well, pretty much until I graduated from high school. So I went to grade school. Um, it was from, I, I grew up in a, a, a small Mormon um, community with a lot of uh, Americans or Anglos that live in that area. And so, you know, in our home, we spoke English. That's why this is my first language. Right. feel more comfortable with it. I speak Spanish fluently, but that's because, you know, I went through the school system in yeah. Mexico and had friends and, and just obviously living in Mexico. So, you know, I went to grade school there, uh, middle school, high school, and then after high school was when I ended up moving to the States for the first time and going to college and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's where, that's originally where I'm from. Um, that's my hometown. Yeah. Nuevo Casas Grandes, Chihuahua, Mexico. Look it up on the map. Nice. <laughs> Small little farming community yeah. here, here in Mexico. So, so, Knowing that, you know, this was a, a farming community, um, how has living, you know, the farm life uh, affected your life in general, whether it's with your family or, or even, you know, especially within your entrepreneurial journey? So, you know, the first thing is growing up with a dad who was a farmer, mm-hmm. um, we had to work a lot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like every summer, my, we, we'd, we'd spend, you know, the full work day every day from 7 in the morning to like 4.30 in the afternoon when the guys got off work at, at the farm. Um, and I remember, you know, when you became of age to, to work all day at the farm, like when you were real little, we used to work like half a day when yeah. we were little kids, really little. And then probably what, I don't know, seven, eight, eight years old or so. Then we had to start working like all day at yeah. the farm and we'd get, you know, th- just the work ethic that, that that taught us was really important. Uh, the other thing it did for me is it made me never want to be a farmer in my life. <laughs> So my dad would always be frustrated why, you know, I never wanted to move back initially when I was going through college and, yeah. and you know, started to work in my career. <laughs> but uh, it, it's kind of scarred me. I was like, no, heck no, I'm not going back to do that. I didn't realize that if you're the boss, it's a little bit different. Oh, yeah. Digging ditches is different. Yeah, you know, boss. we would be out there just being the little peons doing all the work. And, yeah, yeah. you know, my dad was the boss and yeah. strode by and checked on us, you know, a couple yeah. times a day and made sure we were working. And so <laughs> that's the only side I saw of it. So I never had a desire to get into farming and right. become a farmer but you know it, it instilled that work ethic yeah. um there's lots of benefits that, that came from that but yeah. um yeah definitely in, initially you know and and we'll probably get into this but now i've been a farmer for a while we, yeah. own, we own two farms together mike right. and i um two peach farms and we've done other, other types of farming but initially like that's what kept me for a long time from even wanting to be right in the farming industry because yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's what it's like totally. <laughs> working all day, you know, hard work and stuff. So yeah, kind of changed my perspective though. So growing up in Mexico, you grew up with, with two languages, obviously. Right. And then also two cultures. So tell me a little bit about that. How has that, you know, shaped your life having the two cultures and the two languages? Well, sure. I mean, it definitely, you know, has impacted, you know, what I do today. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we fast forward, you know, years from when I left high school um, here in Mexico and then moved out. And now, like, literally most of the stuff you and I do together is all in Mexico right. and the U.S. And, you know, it's kind of like I always joke with people that I'm like straddling the border. Right. 100%. Because, you know, I, I live in Texas now, have businesses in Mexico. I have businesses in the States. Right. Being bilingual, understanding both cultures. Right. Which has really, you know, impacted the ability to do business on both sides of the border, yeah. which is which is huge. You know, and I, I always joke with people because, you know, my first job I got out of college, I was 
I got a job at Goldman Sachs. Right. And I always joked with people that that's why I got on because I was the culture diversity. Because oh. I was, I was, I, said, yeah. I spoke English, but I was a Mexican, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's how I got on there. That's it's not because I was. No, no that's the only reason. Skills. No, no. <laughs> Strictly that. I met the quota. Oh, that's crazy. No, that's funny. So, okay. So because I know you so well, I know that early on in your, in your life, even like in high school and things like that, you were, you started building this interest in finance because you didn't want to be a farmer, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to yeah, go no, out and, no, thank you. and work in the fields. But where did that interest in, in investing come from? You know, I, I, I don't think I can pinpoint it at any point, but I just always knew that I wanted to be super successful and I wanted right. to be a businessman. And so early on, you know, in life when I was in high school, I remember sitting in study halls and like kids were just goofing off and I was like over there. And part of it was because I had older siblings. I was the youngest yeah. sibling. You guys were entrepreneurs and you guys had these things going on. And, and I was always like, oh man, what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to be successful? And so I would just sit in there and like make up stupid business plans and all my, <laughs> my classmates would make fun of me and stuff. Yeah. And, and so that kind of like started sparking my interest in investing. And right. so I kind of, it just kind of became... Not necessarily an obsession at that point, but I, I became very interested in it, and I knew that like you know that was something that was gonna be really important to me is to be able to have build a life a nice life for myself for Absolutely. my kids, um, to be able to have freedom, be able to have the income that that allows you to to do what you want with your time. Right. You know, for me that that was one thing that I it didn't really become apparent to me till later, um, but growing up with a dad who was uh, his own boss. Right. You know, as I started to work in the workforce, I realized how important that was and how how important that was for me to be able to have freedom. Totally. Like your time is the only thing you're never going to get back. Right. And it's a finite amount. Like we're all going to live 82 years or whatever right. it is, right? And if you waste a year doing something, like you're never getting that back. No. Or if you waste your, you know, every day working your life away, you're not getting that back. Right. And so, you know, I it, luckily I think I, I learned that lesson kind of earlier on in life and realized it that the the most important thing is your time. And right. so, like literally now you and I like we won't necessarily take on things that like are going to create a job for ourselves right. because, you know, it's it, it, you can't get that time back. Right. So, you know, if you can have businesses that run and operate on their own and without having to take up more of your time, which is my goal with everything that I start and everything that I do is that eventually I don't want to be running it. I want right. to be able to make an income off of it, but I don't want it to take up more of my time. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, I think, you know, learning that early on in life, you know, in high school and, and starting to realize that with my dad is it was a key factor in, in me being kind of obsessed and and really getting into finance like you know as as i started to go to college i i realized that you know working on wall street was like my dream right and so you know fast forward a little bit that happened but that's kind of where it all started right this is one of the coolest things uh that darren does with his kids and i think is so awesome um and uh it's a huge lesson uh it's something that uh i uh have followed, uh, from him doing, which tell us a little bit about what you do for your kids to, to instill that, that interest, that, that passion, that, uh, that drive for uh, their future and, and investing in general, just understanding compounding and things like that. Sure. So like, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but one of my biggest frustrations is the fact that the one thing in this world that every single person, I don't care if you're in Ghana or South America or in the United States, the one thing every single person has to learn to deal with in life is finances. Totally. But yet it's the thing that we talk about the least 
in the school systems. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I you know obviously I, I I got you know got my undergrad degree, got my master's degree, and at the master's degree they talk about finance more. But even all the way through your undergrad yeah. degree, high school, middle school, grade school, they don't even talk about finances or investing. And like the only way that anybody is going to be able to become financially free and be able to retire someday is if they understand and they have their finances under control. Absolutely. And so the school system won't teach it. The world won't teach it. I'm going to teach it to my kids. That's the approach I've taken. And so, you know, with my kids, um, we have, there's this really cool thing everybody can look up. It's called Greenlight. It's basically Mm -hmm. like a little debit card that your kids get that you can transfer money into. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we have chores for them and then they have an allowance that they get on their Greenlight card. One of the reasons why I chose to go with that card is that it actually has within the account you set up for your kids, you can set up an investment account, like a brokerage account. So Greenlight, we're looking for a sponsorship. Yeah, right? (laughs) Shameless plug. Our second episode. You guys want to sponsor our podcast? (laughs) But yeah, Greenlight is awesome because it it helps me be able to show my kids that, look, if you put a little bit of money into this investment account, this is what you're going to be owning. Like my kids, we drive by Target. We drive by, like we get an Amazon package. And like it all varies with my different kids. But like my kids are always like, Dad. I just made some money with that because I, I teach them that if you own a little bit of Target and a little yeah. bit of Amazon, like every dollar the business makes, yeah. you're getting a tiny, tiny little sure. sliver of that, right? And yeah, like yeah. understanding, helping them understand that if they invest, they're investing in companies totally. that we make money. And so mm-hmm. they're going to make a return on that. And so it's been interesting to see like the different personalities with the kids because some of them are like, eh, there's kind of spenders still, you know. Sure. But then, for example, my boy, my only boy, He's like obsessed with investing now and he's always like, you know, wanting to put more money in his investing account because I try to incentivize the kids because for me, I I look at it as like the more money they can save up, you know, the better off they're going to be in life. And so I tell them anything you put in your investing account, I'll match it. Cool. And so like they can take a portion of their allowance and they put it in kind of like an an employee sponsored 401k, right? So they put 20 bucks in, I match it with 20 bucks, you know, but the agreement is, is anything goes in the investment account, they can't touch it till they're an adult. Right. And I'm trying to instill in them that even when you're an adult, just let that keep rolling. Totally. Let compound interest work in your favor. Right. And just that little investment you're making now will probably make you a millionaire by the time you go to retire, right? Absolutely. By like your allowance that you're putting in early in life, right? Absolutely. And so, you know, for me, that, that, that's a, one of the components of being successful and being financially free and being able to have the freedom and retire when you want is having your finances under control. And so that's what I do for my kids. It's yeah. just kind of the personal way. And I'm always, I like to talk to them about finances. Yeah. I think... You know, a lot of families shy away from, like, talking to kids about finances. Like, don't let them know. And I don't tell them, like, what I make and stuff. But, like, helping them understand, like, how much things cost and, like, how much it takes to live and how much it takes to pay your mortgage and things like that. Just so they have a better understanding, like, growing up that, you know, when they turn 18, they don't expect the same lifestyle that we may have now. Right. Right? Or, like, how much does a vacation cost? Right. Because, you know, like I say, I don't think they need to know exactly how much dad makes, but I'm like... How much do you guys think this vacation time? Because we love to travel with our kids. That's yeah. how we choose to spend our money. Yeah, yeah. And so we love to take them and have experiences traveling. And so I always I let them know, like, how much oh. do you think that costs? Right. How long would it take you working <laughs> yeah. to pay for that trip we just went on? Absolutely. Right. So they can gain some sort of perspective. Right. Awesome. Yeah. If the, if the world's not going to do it, I mean, that's I think that's part of being a parent. You got to. I think it's one aspect that, and that's one of the reasons why I started sharing like on social media and stuff was. I think the, and we're getting, it's becoming more and more common to see more of that on social media, but like, 
the lack of financial knowledge with people Absolutely. is astounding. Like, and it's yeah. something that's so basic that everybody needs to deal with, but nobody understands like hardly anything. That's Absolutely. why I got on social media to start sharing that side of things, right? Help people better their lives through, you know, just simple things like investing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's, it's so impressive. The legacy that you're leaving for your kids. It's awesome. Oh, I hope they have a legacy. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is real. I mean, just, just that knowledge base and understanding is, is huge. That'll, affect their entire lives. So cool. All right. So <laughs> this is kind of funny actually, because now we've, we're, we're moving along, but, but now we get into the college years and stuff. I remember Darren literally, I mean, look, he was focused on finances and I remember him living, living, going to college and literally living off of $5 pizzas. I mean, it was like, go get a $5 pizza and that would be breakfast, lunch, and dinner until it was done. And so what was your mindset back in college with regards to finance when a lot of kids in college are just literally blowing every penny they make and not really thinking anything in the future? So I, I think the big thing for me was like, because I understood finances kind of young, I understood right. that like the more you could save when you're younger, the way better off you're going to be in the future, right? And so <laughs> I think that takes, for a lot of people, it takes a lot of time to for that to click. Yeah. But I think that just clicked for me earlier yeah. on in life. And so I knew that if you sacrifice when out when it was early in right. the long run, um, you know, you'd reap those benefits like 10, 20, 30 fold because right. you're putting that money away now. And so for me, I like I literally kind of a, a funny story is like when I was a you're right, I was I was eating these little Tostitos Little frozen pizzas from like Walmart that were a buck. Buck, I remember. A so dollar. like, so like, I'd throw them in there. I'd be like, dinner for a dollar. This is freaking <laughs> awesome, you know. And then I'd buy like the ten back of the little crappy burritos, like that are just terrible. Oh yeah, dollar yeah. store burritos. Dude. Yeah, it would literally. It's like right? how you survived, I don't know. Yeah, so like I would always joke with my wife because this is this is legit what happened. So when I was in college, I would go shopping and spend like twenty five bucks. It would last me like two weeks. I'd have like. <laughs> Crappy chicken patties yeah. and like burritos and Tostitos, like little dollar pizzas, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, dude, this is awesome. I eat for so cheap. I got married and like yeah. that was like one of our first fights with my wife, Shawnee. <laughs> it was like she went shopping and I was like, you spent 150 bucks on groceries? You know, I was yeah. like, what in the world? Yeah. And, and it was a shock to me because I was just eating like completely crappy, oh. right? It would not be sustainable like health-wise. And I don't and think those chicken patties were really chicken. They're not the really way. chicken. Yeah. So, and, and then the funny thing is my wife, like we had a big old fight over it. And I was like, how do we spend that much money? And she's like, we're eating food. Like she yeah. buy like fruits and veggies yeah. and stuff. And I was like, what? That's expensive. <laughs> but... I, I don't know. I was probably like three or four years. Well, it probably wasn't that long. It's probably five or six years ago. Shawnee happened to buy those old chicken patties because oh, yeah. I was like, I can't remember. I mentioned something. We should go back to buying the chicken patties, and she yeah. went and bought them. I took one bite, and I was like, How did I live off of oh, this? Oh, dude, absolutely. And she is an amazing cook and makes great food. So I'm like, I can no going back now. Right. But in the moment, you know, I, I just I just didn't want to. Obviously, I was working part time and sure. going to school full time, and so I didn't have much money to begin with. Yeah. But I, I wanted to save as much um, early on in life, and then even once we were married, my wife and I always talk about this how you know things have changed. But we would always get in fights. Well, not fights, but like it was like a constant battle because all our friends the same age who were married, newlyweds, were always going on trips everywhere, right. and I would never like want to go on, I would never want to pay the money to go on a trip because right. we were just getting by you right. know like we're not 
you know, we didn't have any kids. We were just getting by. All our friends were going on trips, and she would be always kind of bitter about it. Right. And then I would always have to be like, look, we just got a pair of dues now, and in the long run, we'll be way better off than Absolutely. those people, or we'll it'll pay off in the end, right? Sure. Not that we were competing with those people, but no. like it'll pay off in the end. Right. And now you fast forward 15 years, um, and she's she's a believer now. She's uh-huh. like, now I see like what you know, saving and investing and, and being kind of tightwads early on in life has provided us now. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's part of what has allowed us to have, you know, the life that we have and yeah. that we enjoy and the freedom that, that comes along with it. So. Right. That's awesome. So, okay. So graduate college, undergrad, you got your MBA. Yep. Right. And then, so where'd you, where'd you go to get your MBA? So I went to a local university while I was working at Allianz. So I, I started working at, at Goldman Sachs straight out of college. Right. Worked there a couple of years. And then my wife and I, this was in Utah. Um, we were tired of the snow. So we moved to Southern California to Orange County. Um, I worked in Newport Beach. Uh, I got a job for a company called Allianz. They're one of the largest asset managers Huge. in the world. Absolutely. Um, so I worked there for a couple of years. And they had, you know, uh, they would help pay for your um, uh, MBA um, if you went to certain schools. And so I went to a local university there um, called CUI. And then I got my MBA there with an emphasis in finance and, and entrepreneurship. Right. So I did that while I was working. Yeah. And we had, during that period, we had our first baby. And so yeah. it was kind of a hectic time of life, like yeah. working all day, especially like in the financial sector in Wall Street area. It was, you know, lots of hours. And then I'd go in the evenings to the executive you know, MBA program and stuff. And uh, it, it was fun time yeah. no i <laughs> remember because really, actually we that we were living in southern california at the same time yeah. and so we lived uh really close to each other and i remember he was just constantly just grinding going to work and going to school yeah so sucked but <laughs> so so knowing that okay so going to work you're working at a at a uh, alliance that was a, a a great company huge company had uh, tons of potential getting your mba um and so what was it that made you take that leap to being an entrepreneur? So I think that the, the thing that I started to realize, and I kind of touched on it earlier, is that, you know, growing up having my dad be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and a farmer, like, I didn't really realize how nice that was. Like, I don't ever remember my dad and my mom really missing any, like, activity or sporting event or school right. event, right? Because it was flexible. He was his own boss. He could leave and come, and he would travel to every, in high school, he'd travel to every one of my games out of, actually outside of the country because we would travel to the states back then and 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 play sports basketball and football and stuff and that i didn't really that didn't really click with me until i was in southern california probably well it kind of started when i worked at goldman sachs in utah but then especially when i got to to california and had a long commute into work and then my first daughter was born my oldest daughter and most days i would leave to work before she'd wake up and then i'd get home and uh you know, on a good day, see her for half hour, an hour maybe before she went to bed at like seven. Right. And some days I wouldn't even see her when I had to work later. And I just started to realize like that wasn't the life for me, right. even though I could look at my career path, getting my MBA and, and working at those companies, I could say, man, eventually I'm going to make a lot of money. Like right. I, I could see, like I knew the career path, I sure. knew what they made and it was promising and, and bright, but I didn't want that for myself. I knew that freedom and flexibility plus income was what I wanted. Uh I didn't want just to trade off one for the other. Like you work your life away, get a good salary, but yet you have no time to spend with your family. And, and, and so I I wanted both and I didn't know how I was going to do that. And I always knew, and you knew early on, like from one of the moment I left college, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I never like did anything really 
from then and, and until, you know, coming to Mexico to where I, I took the steps to being an entrepreneur. Right. Like I always wanted it, but I never like set out a plan or was right. willing to like, and it's hard. Like you're totally. living in Southern California. I was the only one working. We just bought a little town home we were living in. It was expensive. We were barely making men's meat, right? Um, and Even with a great job. Yeah, with a great job, Absolutely. making good good wages. Absolutely. Like it, it, I think it's deceiving a lot of times, totally. especially in Southern California where everything costs a ton. People look yeah. like they have a lot of money, but they're like just scrimping by, Absolutely. right? I think that's way more common than what people put off to be, right? For sure. And, you know, for me, that was what I started to realize is that I wanted that freedom. I wanted that income. And eventually, until this opportunity arised, um, which was when my dad had came to a point where he's like, I'd love somebody to live next to me. And he talked to, you know, a lot of us in the family. And that was when I was about to graduate from my MBA. Like I said, Shawnee, my wife grew up in, in that area in Southern California. So right. for her, it was like we were living her dream. Absolutely. So my dad came and said, hey, would you want to move back? We can rent a piece of land. We can start, you can start a little farming business, you know, and I'll help you get started and stuff. And that was a tough sell for my wife, right? Because yeah. we were living like a mile from the beach. Right. We had just bought a home. And so, you know, we talked about it and debated it a lot. But it was like the, this battle between, you know, do I want to be tied up at work for the rest of my life and barely make ends meet? And then as the family grows, still barely even be able to fit in a house. You know, it's really expensive there. And so, you know, I convinced my wife. And luckily, luckily she believes in me enough. And Absolutely. we kind of came to a compromise. We're like, let's go try it in Mexico for a couple of years. We'll keep our home. Right. Um, and so we came down for a couple of years. And that's kind of where I, I took. For me, that's kind of like the starting point. Sure of my career really because right. that, to me i don't i mean i worked for companies on for a couple like almost six years on wall street and stuff but to me that wasn't really my my thing right? right it was like i was just working for somebody else and they just paid me a wage right but like to me that's where my entrepreneurial journey and where my life right. really started to change and now we fast forward like 11 years or whatever we moved down there to mexico in 2012 so now I fast forward and I'm like that both of us, my wife and I both say that was the best decision we pretty much have ever made because it just changed the trajectory of our lives um, to be able to not only have more income, but way more flexibility and, and to build something that, that we just thoroughly enjoy. Absolutely. I, I think something's important to point out here. Uh, so Darren's the youngest in the family, right? And, yeah. his, and his dad um, uh, wanted, like you said, wanted some, some family to live by him. And there was an opportunity to come down uh, to, to Mexico. And I think it's important to point out that that opportunity was actually given to you or, or presented to you basically everybody in the family. Right. Yeah. And, and where the rest of us, me included, absolutely. Um, saw the, the offer for what it was at just kind of at face value and realizing, you know, no, well, we're making decent money where we are. We were in Southern California too, but Darren saw an opportunity, not, 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 not what was the offer and, and okay, here's the face value offer. He saw that plus an opportunity and man, I I've got to hand it to him because that was, in my opinion, looking back, that was a big leap, right? Because it, as I looked at it, even though he was working, you know, he, he wasn't an entrepreneur at that point. He was working for somebody else. It was a great company and he had this opportunity with them at just getting his MBA and everything else to, to just, like you said, make a lot of money. And had a great path. Um, there was a big leap. And I, and I was always like, dude, that is impressive that he had the, well, 
I won't say what he had to do that, but <laughs> that he, that he actually took that opportunity and not just the offer. Okay. So, um, you came down to Mexico. This is the important thing I think is, is, uh, to, to talk about is you didn't stick with the status quo of what is done typically down here. You know, we're actually currently recording here in Mexico. Um, and so, when you came down, tell us a little bit about what you did to think outside the box and, and not just stick with the traditional farming and farming methods that are done here currently. Yeah. So, you know, obviously in this, in this community, those are the listeners who don't know, but it, it's a farming community, pretty much all the Americans, the Anglos, everybody for like a hundred years has been just sticking with farming. That's right. all they do. Right. So, you know, obviously I came down to do that and to grow a business in that area, but because I had that entrepreneur, you know, mentality, I, I, from the day I got there, I was trying to look like, what yeah. is there? What opportunities are there? And right. so I just had my eyes open and I would look at different things and I'd be like, oh, what is that guy doing? And, and, you know, what opportunities are there around us? And so I think just having my eyes open and kind of constantly looking yeah. um, is really what kind of led to, to everything that we started doing. But right. I think, you know, having that different mentality than a lot of people, which there have obviously been very entrepreneurial-minded people here in the community. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but typically, they, they just stuck with some other form of agriculture or food right. processing, right? right, which is all kind of the same, same thing. Uh, but, you know, and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I, I had that open mind and it just so happens I found something in a whole completely different sector that nobody had ever touched in the area. And, right. you know, that kind of is what, what started, you know, providing diversity and, and being able to, to have different types of businesses other than just alcohol, uh, alcohol, yeah. um, agriculture. Right. 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 So I think that that's really what I think the way of thinking is what, what allowed me to do that. And that, and that's really what I was digging for. It, it was really, it's that, that mentality, right. Of just being able to say, yeah, I can try something different. I think something that's, that's really fascinating about Darren, but when being down here is that, uh, he built um, some really nice luxury homes. Right. Yeah. And, uh, that was something that, uh, he did very well and very successfully. And where did you learn how to do that? YouTube. <laughs> I always joke with people that I had, I came here from a finance background. I saw well, one of the opportunities I saw was to build custom homes for people. And so, um, I literally, I joke with people that I got a degree in YouTube and Google and I learned how to build homes just so by doing enough research and understanding the process enough and understanding the right way to do it. You can learn anything. I mean, people that are like, well, I don't know how to do something. I'm like, dude, that's the biggest excuse on the planet. With YouTube and social media and Google, you can learn to do anything you want yeah. to. And so, you know, I didn't have any experience. The first thing I did is I partnered with somebody who had more experience than I did that gave me the confidence to do it. So I had a friend who had, I, you know, he was an architect, and he had been building a few homes. He was just kind of getting started, but he studied architecture, Absolutely. you know, and so he had the experience. So him and I partnered together on it, which gave me the confidence to go at it, right? Um, but I would find the clients. I would help over. You know, we, we had a partnership that worked for both of us, but that allowed me to do it. 
but we were also building stick frame homes like in the states and he yeah. had never built those and right. so we were both learning that process but at least all the underlying stuff he understood a foundation how to do certain things and so that really gave me the confidence even though i had to cut him in on the deals right, right. which i was happy to because it provided another avenue of income right um, it gave me the confidence to actually go after it and tackle it. And yeah. so I think that was one of the big deciding factors. But then after that, it was just a matter of yeah. learning on YouTube yeah. and making sure I researched a couple steps ahead of the process, right? Uh -huh. And making sure that we were doing things right. And I, I think the homes were built very well, oh, you know, awesome. in, in hindsight. And, and yeah. after it, it was all said and done. But yeah, yeah it was a pretty big undertaking. The first, first house we built was... It was a 6,400 square foot custom home. <laughs> so, you know, it was like, holy cow. You know, I met with the the, the, the owners and the people who wanted to build, and I thought it was going to be something much smaller. I'm like, okay, it'll be good for first project. And then by the time we were done with the architectural plans, it was like 6,400 square feet. And yeah. so I was like, holy cow, what did I get myself into? Right. But you just tackle it and you right. figure out how to do it right, you know. Make it happen. Exactly. It happen. <laughs> That's awesome. The, the one thing that I – the reason I bring that up is because – this is a really beautiful thing, and, and I think part of uh, uh, your success is partnering with people who who can help, right? And and not and, and looking at at business as I'd rather have a piece of the pie and be able to free up time and, and some resources than to get the hundred percent of it and have to go do all of it. No, I might get a hundred percent of the of the revenue, but that's going to take all that time as well. Yeah. And, I, and I think that was the reason why I wanted to bring that up because. That is such a, uh, a, a amazing part of, of your journey is realizing that so early on because so often what entrepreneurs actually do, they're not really entrepreneurs. They're, they're creating jobs for themselves. 100%. And so what you've been able to do and, and what I just love is you look at an opportunity and you're like, okay, this is an opportunity. How can I do this without creating another job for myself? Yeah. And I think that probably almost above everything else in the long term is what has made you uh, who you are. The, the truth is, is as I would look at people that have been successful and have actually scaled to the level that I hope and want to and, and have, you know, have started to be able to scale to is that that's a huge key of being right. able to scale. Like if you're a one man show and you're trying to run your business, how can you ever start a second business? Or, or how can you ever grow that yeah. business to the right scale without bringing on a partner or hiring the right person, right? And so for me, I'm like, I use that as like a tool. It's like, so if I'm stuck with one thing and I can't do move on to do the second, well, of course, I'm willing to give up a little bit of the pie to that person to have a whole nother business venture. And that's what I've just been able to do over and over. And you and I are partner on multiple different yeah. things, but I also have other partners on other things, right. right? And so, you know, that's the way to scale without limiting yourself on your own time right and i think that's the lost that people don't understand it's like don't give up equity don't give up anything it's like no like the only way to really scale and have freedom is to be able to partner with people and give up some of that equity mm. and bring them on a partner or hire the right person obviously you can keep equity if if you can afford to hire the right yeah. person and stuff and whenever you can that's probably a better way to sure. go but if you are limited to one business venture and you can't do anything else because you can't you, you don't have the time then why not bring have a partner and start a whole nother business that you don't have to run Yep. But yet you have an income from right. because it's all icing. It's all icing on the cake, right? Yeah. It's all additional to what you already have. Right. And so for me, I viewed that as a tool. It's like, well, yeah, I have built platforms. We built platforms where we can start different businesses with them and, and partnering with people 
to me just makes the most sense because I'll have that person run the business and then I can just help oversee it and manage it and own it, right? And, and, and not have to, it, it, that way you can continue to scale and you can have multiple businesses all functioning and running that literally take a tiny little sliver of your time every week. Right. That's a question I always get constantly from people that really know the things that I'm doing. Like, how do you do all that? Or how do you have the bandwidth? And you're, right. I'm like, well, it, they're all automated to a right. certain extent, right? Obviously, I have to make decisions, sure. but it's like this business over here. Runs on its own. Yeah. Takes me like 15 minutes a month. I mean, a week. Like, right. you know, a little check-in meeting, see how things are going. And if you can set it up that way and have partners in place or employees in the right place, right. that's the way to do it. Absolutely. Then you continue to have freedom, plus you have the income from it. But, right. yeah, trying to keep everything for yourself is just not scalable. Yeah, yeah I, I think you, you do that because you early on learned, because of finance and le- leverage, that yeah, you know how to I can either leverage money or I can leverage time and I can leverage these positions and it's just a, it's a it's a great way to do yeah, it. Yeah, people people think, you know, leverage is only taking on debt, right? Right. But there's lots of ways to leverage different things like manpower, time, yeah. skill sets, knowledge, right? If I wouldn't have ever on the first real business venture into building these homes, if I would have never leveraged my partners architectural skill set I would have probably never been able to do it or never had the confidence to do it but Uh you can leverage more things than just debt you can leverage other people's skill sets time you know all these things that I already mentioned but you know I think that's a big misconception is that you you, the only way you can use leverage now leverage the term leverage is being able to use something um, to get a greater result from right and so it's not necessarily just debt yeah I love that you said you can actually leverage confidence because someone who has is an expert or has high skills in something you go into, you don't have to be the expert. No, and and so you as can long kinda, as they're part of your team. Absolutely. Like, going, like kind of going back to we're talking about this home building thing, yeah. but like sitting down with these potential customers. If I wouldn't have the architect there, I'd be like, well, I don't even know where we start, right? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. But he's like, no, we're going to start with these plans. And he, he, he does that for a living. So he was helping, the, you know, it gives you the confidence to go yeah. into something. Yeah. So talking about leverage, since we're on that, <laughs> if, and the time management, everything else we've just been, we've been going over, how do you balance your life? How, how, how do you, how do you do, people ask you all the time, how do you do all the things that you're doing? We've, we've already touched on leveraging people, talent, things like that. How does, how does your family life and travel and things like that, how do you balance all that? So, you know, I, I have three main focuses in my life and, you know, this is, this is just the way that I structure my day. For me, there's three main focuses. One is my family. And so I make sure that my evenings are free to be able to spend with my family, run my kids around, you know, being a parent, it's like you're a taxi running your kids, all these different events. During the day, I like to have the time to work on my businesses. Mm -hmm. And then my health is really important to me. So the first thing in the morning that I do is I get up and I work out early in the morning, get that done. Then I don't have to like worry about it all day and feel the guilt of like, I didn't work out today. right? Right. And then I like to spend the day how I'd like to with my businesses and checking in on things. And then that allows me to always have the freedom in the evenings to spend with my family and have family dinner and run our kids around and all that stuff. But so that's kind of how my day is structured. Um, The thing that I think is most important with being able to have multiple different things going on is forming the right teams or the right partnerships. I mean, that's what makes it all happen. And you hear this, it's like a broken record in the business world. It's like your team is everything. It's true. If you have the right people in the right place that will run your businesses, that 
it, it gives you that freedom absolutely so that you can explore other things or oversee other businesses when it's needed right and yeah. and, and finding the right people to fit in those places is the key i mean yeah. if you don't have the right person in your business your business isn't ever going to be pretty much running on its own yeah. and so being able to to bring those people in and then i like to set up things to where if I'm not there for a week or two or three or a month or whatever, like things still run. Uh-huh. Like literally the things uh-huh. that, you know, we have and a lot of things that I have, I could literally leave for like a month and, and come back and everything would have ran just fine. Yeah. And so I think, you know, organizing the structure and hiring the right people is, is really what allows me to manage everything and yeah. continue to explore other options. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, all right, here's the deal. So we, Look, Darren is not only uh, everything he's already talked about, a uh, entrepreneur, family man, all these other things. I could sit here and talk to him for, for hours. The, the thing about uh, Darren and I, um, you know, he's my, he's my business partner. Um, we're brother-in-laws as well, so we're family, which is awesome. But, um, I mean, we're super good friends. And so uh, we travel together. We our kids are, are like our best friends, they're cousins, but they're hanging out with each other constantly. Um, so I could literally sit here all day and, uh, and just have this conversation uh, with, with, uh, with Darren. But here's the last one, the last question I have for you, because okay. real estate is something that we've uh, put a lot of focus on and, and has really been driving um, uh, our business and, and success. And so one of the things that I'm wondering about is what do you feel like the future is uh, in, in, in real estate right now? Where, where do you see it going uh, here in the, in the short and kind of the long term? Yeah, so you, you're always going to hear a lot of the doomsdayers out there. Um, you know, while we're recording this, it's 2023. It's, what is it, April? End of April. You know, for the last six months or a year, we've been hearing 2008 is going to happen again, right? right? And everybody's got their opinion. Sure. Which, you know, is worth whatever, you know, because everybody's got one. And so my opinion, take it for what it is, but I don't think we're going to see the big downfall that everybody is predicting. And that's for a couple of reasons. One, if you look back over the last 40 years, um, over the last three or four decades, every year we build like 25 to 27 million homes, right? Right. The reason why home prices have gone up so much in real estate in the U.S. um, over the last little bit is – one factor is there's a huge housing housing shortage, right? And so, in twenty from twenty eleven to twenty twenty, there was only like six or seven million homes built. When on normal in a normal decade, we built twenty five to twenty seven. So there's like a massive shortage during the last decade of homes being built. That was because two thousand eight just happened. It took a long time for people to get back into building again and all the lending and all these things, right? So we have a massive shortage. Whenever you have a massive shortage shortage and high demand, there's not going to see the big pullback. Interest rates rose at the fastest rate in history. And guess what happened to home prices? Some markets adjusted down a little bit, but there was nothing like that, right? So that's the first reason. The second reason that I don't think there's going to be a downfall is that, did you know that 40% of all the mortgages that are out there were refinanced in 2020 and 2021. Huge. I mean, everybody refinanced down to a two and a half to 4% interest rate. Right. If you had a home with a two and a half, 4% interest rate, are you ever going to sell it? Probably not. Right. You got a fixed rate for 30 years. Why the heck would I sell that home? Even if I moved to a new home. So now you have a huge demand of homes 
that are never going to be sold. People are just going to rent them. So then you, you, your supply and demand again Absolutely. is, is going to be high. There's right. going to be low supply and high demand, right? So that's the second thing. The third thing is that over the last decades in 2008, most of these, the biggest home buyers have been these big hedge funds that came in and scooped up thousands upon yeah. thousands and thousands of homes over the last 10 years, right? And so once those homes go to investor funds like that, they're never coming back out onto the public market. No and so that, again, only causes there to be way less supply right. because they're just going to be rental homes forever that are going to be, maybe they get sold to another investment fund, right? Sure. They're just going to get passed around about these major investors like Blackstone and all yeah. this stuff, right? And so those three factors to me, I'm like, I do not think... And the lending has been way more controlled. If anybody's tried to get a loan in the last 10 years, it's a way different scenario than 2008. And so right. I think the, the the market with these high rates are going to continue to kind of stay stagnant or maybe even drop a little. But there's no, I don't see any yeah. any time in the near future that we're going to have a major drop like like right. everybody has been predicting. Right. You know, half right. the time it's just to get YouTube views and stuff. They're like, housing crash is coming, Clicks, right? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. That's my yeah. two cents on the, the housing market in the States. Also, I, I think, uh, what do you think about building? The, the, the future for, for housing and building? Oh, there's, it, it's, it has to catch up, right? Yeah. There, there's going to be huge demand for homes to be built because right. of the shortage, right? right? And so anybody who's like in the building space, which is what I'm kind of, you know, looking to establish more in the States because we do a lot of that stuff here, development yeah. in, in Mexico and stuff. But in the States, I see a huge opportunity yeah. to, to get into that sector because there's a huge shortage. You right. need more homes to be built. And so anybody who can get into that. And you got to you you think outside the box in, in that area as well. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that we're excited about doing as well. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Well, last, this is it, the wrap-up question, right? The, uh, the, end, the end all be all here. So if, if you were to talk to someone who's just starting off, just graduated or just about to start their, we'll call it their entrepreneurial journey, right? Yeah. What piece of advice would you, would you give that person as they're, as they're just about to take that first leap or step into, into their, their future? I, I would say, you know, it would probably be more than one piece of advice. Sure. I'd probably give like probably two pieces of advice. One is don't be scared. Mm. Uh, don't be scared to start young and, yeah. and try something. When you're young, that's the best opportunity you're ever going to have to be able to take the risk that you want to take. If you're trying to be an entrepreneur or trying to get into some um, industry or something. So like the longer you wait, the harder it becomes. The more you have family, the more you have kids, like you, it's, you can't leave your job. Yeah. Right. And so don't be scared to take that risk early on in life. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to think the other piece of advice I would probably give is, to focus on increasing your income. Mm. Increasing your income is going to be it's going to be the biggest factor mm -hmm. on building your wealth. Right. Because, you know, you could save your money on coffee every day and save 3 bucks a day and invest it, right? And then in 30, 40 years you're going to have x amount of money, right? right? Which which do that anyway. Right. But the biggest thing that's going to speed up this whole process is by increasing your income. Even if you just stick at a job, right? Yeah. Like if you just shop the market and get a better job that pays you 20 grand more within a year or two than what you had, that's going to have great, way bigger impact on your financial yeah. picture than, you know, saving those $3 a month that's going to take 30, 40 years. So 
focus on increasing your income as soon as you can and make right. that your main priority because if you can go from making 40,000 to 60,000 to 80,000 to 100,000 a year right like that right there that increase if you could do that from for in a matter of a couple of years now the rest of your life you're going to be at that base you're going to be at that 100,000 so you know if you can maintain your lifestyle here and you can increase your income. All that that's in between the excess, it can be money you can invest, right, right. And, and build your future faster. Right. So those are kind of the, the main pieces of advice I'd give somebody that's kind of younger starting out. Yeah, awesome. All right, man. Well, like I said, we could keep going on, on and on and on. And uh, <laughs> we've already gone uh, long enough. We've gone we've, <laughs> way the, too long. This is the longest podcast we've done, folks. Out of the uh, two out that of the we've two. done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, um, that was awesome. Thanks for all those, uh, all that feedback and the and the the, the knowledge and wisdom. Um, I appreciate it. I know that um, I learn from you all the time, and so I'm uh, I'm grateful for our partnership and our and our friendship. So. Um, this was awesome. This was actually a really enjoyable podcast, even though with, with all of the experience I have, this was the most enjoyable podcast I've done. So, well, I think uh, that that's part of what's fun about doing this is like, you know, we both learn from each other. Yeah. And so being able to share these type of stories or insights to each other, like you and I are always talking about this. So it's like, why not throw it out on a podcast yeah. and, and let other people kind of hear the things yeah. that we've noticed over the years? Not that we're experts in you know, every field out there by no means, right? But I think, you know, we've learned things over the years and we continue to want to learn things. And so sure. being able to share these things and bring people on is, is going to be fun. It's going to yeah. be awesome. I'm excited. So I'd like to thank myself for coming on my podcast. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, thanks for listening in. Uh, we'll see you on the next next episode. Awesome.